What up, what up? It's your boy Zito back for episode number five of that 730 podcast. And today is a beautiful day. The reason why today is a beautiful day is because I am sitting here with my man, Honey Grand, Mr. Kevin McConnell, aka the Mac Daddy, the Macadocious, the Mac Attack, whatever. Which which way you want to flip it, that's who it is. You understand? How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. <laughs> Subtle. Subtle. I, I, you know, sometimes you, sometimes uh, saying very little says a lot. This is very true. For those who don't know, me and Matt go back like four flats on a Cadillac. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, exactly how far do we go back? 20 years. Long time. Just like that. Shout out to Doug Coben. D-U-G. <laughs> oh, man. All right. But listen, man. Um... Before we get into what we're gonna get into, just thank I wanted to thank everybody for uh, the continued support, man. It's, it's fucking awesome. I love everybody who's sharing, retweeting, hashtagging, all that beautiful social media shit that y'all do. I absolutely love it. I thank you for it. Um, but yeah, we're gonna keep this shit rolling and we're gonna get into it. What I wanted to get into today, on top of many different things, you know, we got a few different topics that we want to jump into this time. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit of music. Is that okay? It's fine with me. Okay, as long as it's okay with you. That's fine. All right. It's a subject I know a lot about. All right. <clears throat> um, more directly, um, I want to talk about the music and the difference between our generation and the new generation. You understand? As you said, we go back 20 years. So, you know, you you know, you if you want to put a year on that, we'll just start at 97-ish. Mm-hmm. You understand? So, you can imagine the catalog that is between both of our brains. We were both raised around good music. You understand? We know the difference. Correct. Um, so, with that being said, I want to get your scope. I want to get your feel, your take on what you feel is... Like, what's going on with today's generation's music? It's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a there's there's a lot because when when you think about it in in terms of scope, modern music in and of itself has only been around roughly about a hundred years. So, nice. and you know, I was thinking about this question last night when you when you would ask me, and I think it, you you start with Robert Johnson in the in right. the late twenties. And he had a very illustrious career for such a short amount of time. Right. But he was he was the kind of guy who who he was a game changer. Take the take the mythology out of it. The the music he was he was telling, it was essentially a story with a beat. Right. And it was it was something that everybody everybody could get behind. Black, white, Latino, didn't matter. It was something that was that was special and unique. Right. After after he passed, you have this you have this kind of odd like time warp. Between 1938-ish to about, I'm going to say roughly 1949. Right. Now, why, why is 1949 significant? It's because Miles Davis recorded Birth of the Cool. Thank you very much. Granted, it would, it would come out a few years later, but this was, this was the, the Harlem Renaissance. Yes. This was when, when everybody who was taking things that had been... You know, from the Mississippi Delta, from down south, and mm-hmm. bringing it up north, throwing it through a blender, and getting a new sound. Right, right. You know, and right. you have Miles, who was the who who really is more or less the the Robert Johnson of his era. 
You know, he had he had Birth of the Cool, which was this significant step in modern music. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you listen to it now, it it sounds kind of passe in a lot of ways because you, you know, you've heard so much and you've had so many other things that have happened in between. But when you listen to it in the proper context that, okay, think about the ears were hearing this for the first time Mm -hmm. in 19, you know, 1950, 19, you know, to 1957. That's a big, that's a big thing. And then you have him put that out, and then he changes the game. Literally. With, with, excuse me, with Kind of Blue. Which is, for most people, myself included, which I consider myself somewhat of a jazz aficionado, Mm. that that's that's a high watermark. And when you have such a high watermark, you, you really can't you really can't go up from there. You can only right. you can only maybe go lateral or mm-hmm. or down. Tough to top it, right? So, so at that point, you know, jazz is becoming is is coming out of it. You know, we're we're in a baby boom generation. You know, it's post war. Mm-hmm. Things are th- there's a different level of prosperity, but right. but things are being questioned, right? True. And now you have these these four kids from Liverpool who oh who who have just listened to all this blues music, all right. and they take their own interpretation on it, mm-hmm. and they come over and they play on Ed Sullivan, and the whole world explodes. And, Literally, and uh, I don't think I have to mention who it is, but that would be the Beatles. For those who don't know, and the the crazy part about the about the Beatles, and it was actually a I, I believe it was it was it was. Paul McCartney, who was talking about it in context with John Lennon, is that in England at the time, so we're talking between 1954 to about when I Want to Hold Your Hand hit the American shore. So I'll I'll say roughly 62. Mm -hmm. In that time frame, British British terrestrial radio, so we're talking the BBC, Uh you know, and, and so forth. They were playing nothing but blues music exactly. because that was that was popular. So we're talking about the Robert Johnsons and uh, you know the Jelly Roll Mortons and mm-hmm. you know the Muddy Waters and so and mm-hmm. these guys were immensely pop- popular in, in England. Yes, they were. So when the Beatles came Obviously. to the when the, when the Beatles came to the states, mm-hmm. they were shocked to find that that had fallen out of uh, had fallen out of favor, and they were very very surprised. And if you listen to some of that early Beatles stuff, you hear. You know the Chuck Berry and the Twelve Bar Blues. You this hear, you know, you hear that that kind of Johnny Cash esque uh, Tennessee two step. Nah. You hear these things the, in that music. The so shuffle, right? So you you hear all of this stuff. So they they took stuff that was that might have fallen out of favor in the, for American audiences and made it something their own. Right. So so now and then so that that takes us through the sixties and now the the seventies. 70s is a weird time and I agree and I say it for a number of reasons because technology is advancing so you have the right. synthesizer that's coming into things okay. you have you have soft rock or yacht rock as people like to call it have uh, have made this has made this this huge transition disco is very popular and I'll, I'll get to disco in a minute but oh boy you have this um, you have this this really weird amalgamation of stuff that that happens mm-hmm. and you Everything everything gets is is chopped and moved. you can pick something from the seventies that you could say is legendary and it doesn't matter what genre it is. Zeppelin's four. Facts. Um Deep Purple's Machine Head. Mm-hmm. You can say um first Bee Gees album. Yeah. Um James Brown. <laughs> Period. Uh, yeah, Live at the Apollo, for instance. Um, Howlin' Wolf's London Sessions. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, some of the first uh, Tom Waits stuff. Yes. Um, there's just there's well, he's very dope. By the way, I think he's underrated, like grossly. My my opinion, he's the last great living American songwriter. Like besides Dylan. Uh, besides Dylan, yes, okay. because Dylan Dylan's in a Dylan's in a league all all of his all of his own, mm-hmm. because he you know he's a Woody Guthrie fanatic, so he has that True. he has that that certain folksiness to him that Tom Waits doesn't have. Where if if um let me put it this way and to put it in context is that Bob Dylan is the he's the John Lennon of folk music mm-hmm. and Tom Waits is Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids of <laughs> how the hell of, are you trying to because <laughs> it's it's very simple man it sounds like it sounds like sounds sounds like you'd make in a junkyard. That's this is true. That's the best way I could describe. It. But that's later era Tom Waits. The early stuff was very jazzy and yeah. and very bluesy and stuff like that. Up right. until like Heart Attack and Vine and yeah. so so now something to be said about the blues though. Right quick, you know, before you even go any further, because you know you talked about the Beatles. You understand? And me personally, you know, you take another group, which I know you're going to hit on too, like the Stones. Oh, absolutely. Who were named after a Muddy Waters song. Right. I and ironically, I was uh, I was actually hearing that story when I was in the car on the way over here. There you go. And uh, yeah, that's that's actually how, how they how they got their name. And again, that's another British group that was listening to musicians that had fallen out of favor. So exactly. I think there's something to be said about about the classics. It's mm-hmm. something to be said about about things that go on for for a long time. And I agree. And I think that's and it's funny because the the next era I'm going to talk about is the 80s, which is very very prevalent now, mm-hmm. where the synthesizer really more or less in the 70s was something that was kind of a how would you put it maybe more of an undercurrent as opposed to something that was out in the open. And the 80s just took it and decided we are going to put this front and center. This is going to be its own instrument now. Yeah, and when you <laughs> let. And you listen to the stuff in the 80s, you can listen to it the same way that you would in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Is that nothing had been done like this before. Early right. Depeche Mode. Um, Thank you very much. You know, Eurythmics. Um, mm. Annie Lennox. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff like that had just been so different. And But the downside to this, and I feel this way more about the 80s than I do the 70s, mm-hmm. is that this is where you start to get that one-hit wonder. Very much. Where so. somebody has figured out how the perfect combination and formula to make the song that's going to play for um, three and a half minutes on radio and make the money. And once somebody figured out that formula, it was, you think about, think about all the, all the songs in the eighties. She blinded me with science by Thomas Dolby. Mm, Um, You can, you know, (laughs) that's, that's one that jumps out at me. Um, You can think of uh, Yaz doing situation, even though they had many other great songs. Mm -hmm. Um, the Eurythmics only really had that one hit. Sweet dreams, you know, and it, so you have that. You have that very odd. That is odd because Annie Lennox kind of went on to do her own thing and like. I'm not gonna say change the game in her own way, but just off of the success of the Eurythmics, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean? Um, I mean, and that's and that's what you're saying, you know. And even guys that had had careers that were significant. Mm-hmm were able to even create it again. Like uh, I know I was uh, one of the examples I was going to use here was Robert Palmer. Okay. Robert Palmer, you, you know him from the 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 music videos for the two the two biggest hits that he had, but he had a lot of other great chart chart toppers, you know, right. Sneaking Sally Through the Alley and you know things like that. But 
he ended up teaming up with Durant with the guys from Durant Durant to do Power Station. Yeah. At Power Station, what was their what was their big hit? It was T Rex's uh, "Get It On, Bang It Gone." So it's that was a one hit wonder for T Rex, and then it became a one hit wonder for Power Station. So how many times has that really happened? Where you've had a one hit wonder of the same song for two different artists? To me, mm. that's that's incredible, you know. And it's you know that was that was the '80s that started that. Then you come to the back end of the 80s and the early 90s, which to me, this is the most significant moment in music history because we have the rise of two huge, hugely influential styles of music and two that I really consider to be like the backbone of all of the things that I've learned. Now, to not get it twisted, mm-hmm. I was raised on soul music like my, that my mom loved. Right. My father loved classic rock, right. and my uncle, my uncle loved Kiss. Mm-hmm. So, I had I had all this stuff in a blender for me. To you know, you had the spectacle, you had the horns, you had all of this stuff. But it's here where heavy metal mm-hmm. and the golden age of hip hop happened. Absolutely, yep. And this is such a significant moment because. The whole backbone of everything that's wrong with music today mm-hmm. is started at this era. There we go. When you look at stuff from the golden age, and you know you you harped on this uh, last episode mm-hmm. with some of the greatest MCs, and you you hit it right on the head who the greatest of all time is. It's mm-hmm. absolutely without a doubt. There's no question. Anybody can ask me this question. I will answer it the same way till the day I die. Mm-hmm. It's Rakim. Damn straight. He, he's the greatest MC ever. Mm-hmm. What's staggering about him is that who gets lost in it is Eric B. Yes, who, who <laughs> is an incredible mm-hmm. producer. Absolutely. He was he was the East Coast Dre, and True. and people get, people people sleep on that because mm-hmm. Rakim's this big you know this big guy who's bombastic and he's in your face. But what I love about Rakim so much is that he didn't need to. To say fuck this or no. bitches and hoes and all, no. he didn't need to. He he hits you with this linguistics. Exactly. This is a guy who 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 understood the the fine art of making something work, language and mm-hmm. just making all of this stuff unique. He mm-hmm. was he was somebody, and you add Eric B on top of that, that mm-hmm. was a recipe for success. Yeah. And then you have guys outside of that that are like KRS One, who yes, was sir. talking about talking about the South Bronx and how mm-hmm. how life was down there, and you know. Mm-hmm. And you look at, you know, and KRS-One was never the same after Scott LaRock was killed. This it was is true. It was never the same. This you know? is very true. Then you had Hollis Queens. You oh, had Run DMC, who yeah. who not only took it, they're, they're probably the guys that you can blame for a lot of this stuff. When they teamed up with Aerosmith, mm-hmm. not only did they make Aerosmith, <laughs> they made Aerosmith cool again, number one. Yeah. That, that goes without saying. But... That was that was uh, Jam Master Jay's coming out party. That Very was much so. that was him showing. Guess what? I'm going to show you that my turntable mm-hmm. is an instrument, and I can I can rock this harder than you can rock a guitar. Yep. He and, took what Grandmaster Flash did and amplified it. Oh, absolutely. Yes. He took it to a whole nother level. Absolutely. And then you have these guys that were that were that understood. You know, you have the the tribe called Quest. Oh, you know, you boy. have. You have uh, Q-Tip and Fife, who were just guys who just were so silky smooth, mm-hmm. and were right up there with Rakim that they didn't they didn't have to they didn't have to you know say fuck this and fuck that Man. and all of that. They, it's a different time. It's, it was more about the culture back then. It was, you and know? and you know, Afrocentric. I can't even say it. Uh, being Afrocentric was right. 
was kind of was the in thing. But for them, and, and it comes through in the music, is that you could tell they weren't really doing anything that wasn't already that they didn't really think was already right relevant. Right. right. For they were hitting a larger audience. Now this might have been white America where I was. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is the area that you look at it and you think I, I, I listened to it and I thought to myself, wow, these are these are guys that they clearly understand jazz because I can hear Herbie Hancock. I can hear yes. Miles Davis. I can hear Dizzy Heavily. Gillespie. Yes. I can hear Cannonball Adderley. I can hear that in the music. Right. And you know, and they're able to to make it something where the beat is just as important as what's being said. Absolutely. Things are a little bit off time. You know, like, whoa, how did he swing how did he swing mm-hmm. those words together? You know, like yeah. I can listen to I can listen to low end theory mm-hmm. uh, until you know, until it wears out because mm-hmm. it's Maybe a masterpiece. Marauders, man. <laughs> they're, they're both masterpieces. Absolutely. They, 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 you know, and it's, it's that thing where these guys, this is what, this is the tipping point, right? Mm-hmm. Cause then you have the other side of the golden age of hip hop where you have like the public enemies and the NWAs and mm-hmm. the politically you, charged. Yeah. Groups. And what, and what I love about NWA is that they only had two albums. It's true. <laughs> Two albums, and they made such a huge impact, right? You know, and you have you have Ice Cube, who was fierce back then. Very much. He so. that was an angry, angry man <laughs> who was who was letting all of his frustrations that were that he felt inside of him right. in in you know the mid to late eighties, being in L.A., which was a world that my myself and even you could never understand. Hell no. Because it's it's not like that here on the East Coast. It isn't, no. you know. But they they were able to to show the world what was going on, and exactly. they did it with such ferocity that it was yeah. like you had to stand up and take notice. All right, and you gotta and you gotta give the credit where credit is due because it was also a time of like the censorship that's in place now. We're talking about just getting rolling back then. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? So what they stood for and what they were doing, they were going up against the, you know, the uh, the C. Dolores Tuckers and, you know. The Tipper Gores of the world. Yeah. yeah. You absolutely. know what I mean? So for them, like you said, to shine that light on what was going on over in Cali, man, it was just a different culture over there. You understand? And nobody, I know nobody over here. You know, of course, like I was little at the time, true indeed. But one of the first tapes that I ever got from my dad, oddly enough, was NWA. You know what I mean? Right. So for me to hear that, I was like, dude, like these cats is just different. See, for me it was a it was a different world because hip hop culture in the the late eighties to early to mid nineties mm-hmm. was terrifying to the suburban housewives of America. They were afraid that, you know, and I, I think I'm I'm quoting here, is that the the you know the natives were getting restless, and you know take the take the you know take the 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 racial part of it out of it, and right. you think about it. It's that it is terrifying because when you hear about you know you think about the times, and it's like okay, crack was introduced into inner cities in the eighties, and you think that well, I'm not in the inner city, so this doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but all of a sudden, when little Johnny comes home with yep. with the NWA, mm-hmm. and now it's like now it's in your face. Now you have to take notice. Right. And what NWA did was they they made it they made it so you could be brash and bold, and mm-hmm. they had a flavor about them. Like they looked cool. Yeah. They took the look of the 
of the run DMCs and they took the attitude of something like a public enemy where, you know, not to discredit Chuck D at all, but Chuck D lived a much more charmed life than mm-hmm. what was going on at South Central. And don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not at all dismissing what Chuck D went through because he he had it just as hard to a degree. Absolutely. But it wasn't South Central LA. That's true. It wasn't. <laughs> it just wasn't. Right. So so you have these you have this this new art form that's coming out. And meanwhile, also happening in Southern, even in Northern California, you have heavy metal that is taking off at the same clip. Right. And this was guys with long hair that loved punk music mm-hmm. that wanted to play it as fast as they could. Right. Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, Lord Jesus. Exodus, <laughs> Testament. These are all guys coming out of the Bay Area, right? Mm-hmm. Then you had some East Coast guys like Exodus, or I'm sorry, um, uh, Anthrax. Mm-hmm. You know, you had you had bands like that, um, Nile, Bile. You had all of these bands that were that were coming out, and it was just that was another revolution. But that was an underground revolution, yeah, very much so, because those guys didn't really. Where NWA was like, we want our voices to be heard. Mm-hmm. The the metal the metal guys they they approached it differently. We were, they were just like, well, we don't really care. We'll play to a hundred people. We're going to do it, yeah. and you're going to know about it afterwards. Right. So. You have these these two these two brand new art forms that are coming out, and now it goes into the '90s where culture's changing Very radically. Nice. We are coming out of the Reagan years. We're coming out of the Bush years. <laughs> you know, Bill Clinton's about to be president, and now it's like reality TV starting. Yeah. LA, LA riots happen after Rodney King. Oh, there man. there is just so much culturally that's going on. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the moment. That's the tipping point. Is where it happens. Right right there. I think. I can I can define it in the sense that I don't I'm not a fan of Kurt Cobain. Okay. And I'll say why. Do I think Nirvana had a significant impact on like maybe music culture in terms of like how MTV does stuff and things like that? Yes, I do. Okay. But that was the moment where you started to get things overplayed, where it smells like Teen Spirit is everywhere. That and it's was like, the song. It's too much. Even, I don't even think people who were fans of Nirvana could name like I'm. I'm talking about the people who the like, casual fan, exactly. Not not the diehard, the casual who, who can't. You know, they just can't get past that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that that that's kind of to your point because that's you know MTV is to blame because that video was on 24 7, 365, 366. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. And and it has a different impact than something like Thriller does because. Hmm. When you look at Thriller, Thriller was a, was an art project. John Landis directed it. It was yes. a movie. It was a film. So sure. even without hearing the song, there was there was something you can enjoy about it. Exactly. Whereas Nirvana, it was just it was just so in your face all the time, and it was kind of for me it was difficult. Where I'm this I'm this 13 year old kid when Cobain killed himself, which was '94, right. and I have this I have this this sense of I feel like it's being spoken to me, but I don't think I'm getting the message. Right. And radio isn't playing the stuff I want to hear, you know? And this is where, this is the, the tipping point I mentioned earlier, is that this is when you realize that it's all downhill. Mm-hmm. Because after this point, it's all one-hit wonders and C100 and, you know, and BET, or um, not BET, I'm sorry, um, Hot 97 and all that. It's all this hype stuff that you want somebody to listen for that two and a half minutes and you cut in and you can you know funk master flex or something like that and it's just it's stupid it's stupid because the 
art is being taken away from it. Very much so. And I agree. And it's so you know what? It's I, I think of it this way, you know, my, my brother's a musician mm-hmm. and he'll tell you it's hard to write a song, but it's easy to write a hit. What? And it's absolutely true. You know I sympathize. And once once that formula got figured out, and especially in the nineties, because now the nineties you have more one hit wonders than you've ever had. Facts. You you have you have this this degradation of stuff that's just completely gone downhill, right? And it just doesn't it just doesn't it doesn't capture me because you think about it when you look at when you ask somebody to list oh what's your what's your top twenty five of 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 albums songs whatever you might get like that's tough you might get like one or two from that stretch between nineteen ninety four to. I'm even going to say now this this 20 year stretch of 95 to 2015 mm-hmm. that there's not a lot there because there's a lot of it is just garbage and yeah you did have I agree like you might have a one hit wonder that turned out an incredible album like I think of System of a Down Chop oh. Suey that, Chop Suey that song was huge but Toxicity was a gigantic album yes. poorly poorly timed release very much but, so <laughs> but. But it was it was it was a monster, right. and now now we're looking at it almost 15 years later, and it still to me holds up very yeah. well. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot in that stretch. But now you look at you look at 2015 to to bring it to the modern time, and you think about all the stuff that's coming out now. You you have this amazing filter. You could filter out all the shit, mm-hmm. and you can get to the good stuff. And the guy that I want to highlight right here, mm-hmm. I think you know him. You might have heard of him. His hey. name. His name's Kendrick Lamar. I, yeah, hey. you ever heard of him? Hey, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I've I, heard of that guy. <laughs> he's uh, yeah. I, I think he's uh, I think he's just up and coming or something. Yeah, but, a little something like that. <laughs> the way the way I describe this to um, to our our friend Chris Rubin was yes, sir. I said I don't know how to describe the way I feel about the music because it just it hits me in at a cerebral level more than it does a heart level. Okay. Um or a passion level maybe would be the better way to describe it. Mm-hmm. But when I listen back to it and I've listened I've listened to the album probably about fifteen times now. Which one? Um this is the To Peppa Butterfly. Okay. And wh- he's created something that's both timeless mm-hmm. and modern. Right. He he used the 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 free jazz blues stuff that started this revolution and he's combined it with the second revolution with hip hop and what and oddly enough he is from South Central LA but he's not he's not really doing anything that's I don't. I don't want to say. I don't want to say that he's not unique because he is. He's got a. He's got a certain way about him, but he's not really. He he's crafted his own. His own style, like right. everything from now on, is going to be. Oh, this sounds like Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Like he he's his own art form now, right. which which to me is significant considering all of the garbage that has come out in between that. Correct. And it's <laughs> funny because it spills out to the guys that he works with. Vince Staples, Summertime '06, it's mm-hmm. fantastic record. Mm-hmm. Absol just put out one that is just absolutely dope. The Black hippie movement. Yep, the, mm-hmm. absolutely. Tyler Creator stepped his game up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think people gravitate to Schoolboy Q the way that they should. That was yes, you know, but that's because I feel all right. Schoolboy is more or less the street rapper. I I couldn't have said that any better myself. You know? Absolutely, he's and, got that image of. I'm on the streets. I'm that. Yeah. You know, he's that. I, I, when I see the the cover with um with him 
with the the uh, the ski mask, mask on his face. And the Kango. Yeah, you know what I thought? Do you know what I thought of instantly? I thought of America's Most Wanted, um, or uh, from Ice Cube. I, I get holding holding the AK and saying, right. "I'm here. Listen right. to me." Right. That that's what I took away from that. Right, right. And I de- like me personally, um, I was turned on to Kendrick Lamar. I just didn't hear his shit from the rip. You know what I mean? And so I had I, to go back and I went through the whole black hippie movement. And I was think- that was that intentional that that happens? Because I know you being an MC and everything that you know you keep your ear to that stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I color me surprised that it's weird. But I, I'll explain it to you. I'll explain it to you like this: as an MC, you understand. It's more of a I pride myself on not sounding like anybody. So what I do, I don't listen to anything. You understand? Okay, fair so enough. So if something makes its way to me, then I'll hear it that way. You know, I'm not one of the dudes that will sit and listen to Hot 97 Power 105 all day long or whatever the case may be because 99.9% of the shit on the radio is garbage and bullshit. You know right. what I'm saying? And when you write, when you sit down to start crafting your shit, you don't want it to come out like anybody else. You know, and oddly enough, I kind of took that away because, you know, Eminem talked about his writing process. He goes up into a fucking cabin where there's no TV, no nothing. You know, there's no outside influence so that he just writes all the banana shit that he writes with no anything coming at him. It's just him, the pad and the pen. I think there's some there's definitely some validity to that argument. I just. I find it surprising because, you know, I think Kendrick now is the, he is the the Dr. Dre of now. Yeah, he is. Which is funny because Dre's not out of the game. Not, oh, he says he is, but for well, somebody who's been putting it in as long as Dr. Dre, for somebody who's been out as long as him, somebody who loves the, the, the culture, uh, let alone the music, but loves the culture the way that he does, you know, you're never out. Well, as far as I'm concerned. Well, Dre's kind of like Michael Jordan. He'll come back whenever he feels it's necessary. Exactly. And and until then, you know he's going to be in the lab cooking up stuff. Because let's let's face it, Kendrick, you know, good kid, Mad City, aside from the fact that it's phenomenal. Absolutely. And I I was going to bring up disco in a minute. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's phenomenal. Right. It's got Dre beats on it. Absolutely. And that's what drew a lot of people to it. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that it is a quality thing. What I liked about it, though, is it's not Dre heavy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's a few that he did, but it's just not all him. Like, the was, influence is there, but exactly. it's not. Like, it, when he did the recipe, that's Dre. Yep. You know, when he did the Compton track, that's Dre. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, and to your point with K-Dot, like, for me, personally, he's refreshing because, you know, the game is filled with a bunch of shitty rappers. You just call it what it is. Oh, I agree. You understand? So, for me, for somebody like him to come along, you know, and I've been listening... Now, I've been listening to, you know, the older stuff, like, you know, the the, uh, the rigor mortis, mm-hmm. you know, stuff, stuff along that. And then I got to Good Kid, Mad City, and I'm listening, you know, I'm listening to the samples that he's using. I'm like, this is a younger cat, first of all. You know, he's not our age. He's younger than us. Right. You know, I'm listening to, to the words that he's putting together. I'm list, Like I said, I'm listening to the samples. I'm hearing B.B. King on Mad City, you know, on, on the second half with MC8. Right. And th- that says something about Kendrick. The fact that he can go get OGs from California on his record. Then you fast forward to, to Pimp a Butterfly. First song off the entire album, Fuck the World, has George Clinton on it. 
Like, who? When is the last time you heard George Clinton jump on somebody's shit? Cube. That was the last time. And even then, it was just him taking a sample, you know, or, or Snoop taking Atomic Dog and chopping it up. Thank you very much. Right. So you're absolutely right. So he, so that's to your point. He's kind of, he's in his own element. He's carved out his own, I'm not going to say genre, but he's carved out his lane. You understand? So oh, when, absolutely. When K-Dot steps to something, now there's an expectation of what the fuck is he going to do? Right now he's he already set the bar incredibly high with mm-hmm. with Good Kid, Mad City, and now not only did he did he exceed the bar, he created another bar with To Pimp a Butterfly. Absolutely, and he's that's what as it stands right now, he's got the number one album of the year for me. I, I and that's tied with somebody else, but we'll, we'll we'll have to bring that up on another episode. But okay. but the only uh, to to punctuate this point, the only other thing I want to harp on. Is that now you have this new, this other new political movement that's going on that's mm-hmm. in, that's in the face of stuff. The the guys I want to highlight is the perfect example of two guys who come from totally different worlds mm-hmm. that really understand how to make something significant and yet still have their own individuality. Right. Let's run the jewels, without a doubt. Yes. You, you have <laughs> you have ELP who's a you know don't sleep on a guy because he's you know because he's white by any stretch the guy can rap without oh, a doubt and his, his we can talk are, about that because I, I, I'll tell you straight up and down I will piss everybody off when because I have conversations about Eminem and how great he is you understand and I, I'm just not going to single him out because there's other great white rappers such as Logic who is fucking bananas mm-hmm. but continue <laughs> but uh ELP, you know, aside aside from that, his his beats are top notch. Right. He does all the production for this stuff. He's he's incredible. Right. But Killer Killer Mike Killer Mike is in a league of his own for two reasons. One, because he's he's another one of those big guys who's mm-hmm. very boisterous and very very much so. You know, <laughs> and and he's got he's got that Atlanta flavor to him. He's got you know, he's got that southern fried wisdom. He's he's a guy who he, he can he can paint a picture with his with his with his words, right. but not only that is that if you've ever seen him in an interview, he was on Bill Maher not too long ago. Dude is intelligent, man. It's unbelievable how <laughs> well he understands what's going on in the world. The dude and, is intelligent. And what I like about him, and it carries forward into the music, and this is why I wanted to highlight him, is that he he doesn't look at it as woe is me. Right. He doesn't look at it as yeah, all right, I might be. I might be black, and I might be profiled by the police, and I might be this, and I might be that. He doesn't make any excuses. He he just says that does happen, right? But I'm not going to let it stop me, right? And and he doesn't take a militant approach like I'm going to kill all these pigs or I'm going to do this or he doesn't approach it that way. He's like, you know what? He's like, I'm going to uh, for those who are listening, I'm pointing to my head. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm going to use my brain, right? And I'm going to show you that my intelligence right. is. Is unmatched. I'm right. going to show you that I can think my way through this problem, right. and and show you that it's, you know, that I can do it. And if if you've ever seen that um, the video for "Close Your Eyes and Count the Fuck," yeah. it's just a, it, it's mesmerizing it because really is, it's you know, and there's there's a great irony with it too. Is that you know you have um, you know the the white officer and the black suspect, and I'm, I'm using suspect in air quotes here. I know that the 
they're they're perpetually stuck in this 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 tug of war that'll never end. Right. But what makes it so unique on top of that is that they shot the whole video in black and white right. to make it clear how right. distinct this world is. Exactly. You know, and it's also and there's also some more subliminal hits. The cop is all in black. Mm-hmm. The the suspect is in a white t-shirt. It, all of these things are all right there in your face. And yep. they know this. Yep. They know this. And it's and, gratuitous. <laughs> right. And to make things even better, to 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 even blur the lines even more mm-hmm. is that you have Killer Mike who is black. You have ELP who's white. Yep. You have Zach De La Roca who's Latino right in between them. Indeed. And you have this this big mix and these guys they just everything they touch is just fucking gold. I, I mean there it's to me this is Run the Jewels for this generation was NWA for us. Mm-hmm. Because they, they just have that mm-hmm. they have that that, that attitude and that they got the underground locked. Oh yeah, absolutely. But they're they're so underground they're mainstream. Yeah. You know, it's yep. like yep. It, it's incredible what they've been able to pull off with just two albums. Mm-hmm. That first one was fire. Yes. Absolute fire. I agree. And then you drop an atomic bomb with number two. <laughs> number two was something different though. It was un, it was unbelievable how good it like, was. It was I, I listened to it, I was like shit. Like and not for nothing for me, and it's kind of doubles back to what you said before about the one-hit wonder who goes off and does something else per se. But in right. this case, with Killer Mike, you know everybody knew him, you know for the uh, what was the the uh, the fucking Kryptonite song yep. or, or or whatever the case. You understand? Think that's what he was about. You understand? Kind of like you know David Banner, kind of full and you know fell into that whole. Thank thing. you. That was the so, name I was thinking of. Yes. So for him to come back with this, like. Oh my gosh! Like it's it's retarded, you know. And I can't help but support it because it's good quality music. At the end of the day, I agree, and I am absolutely disappointed that um, three didn't come out this year. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you right now, unless something unless something drastic happens, right. Run the Jewels three will be the best album you hear next year. I think that's. I think that's a safe bet. I think that's without question, and and I'm saying that across all genres of music. I was about to say, we're not just talking about hip hop, with like you know. No, these guys transcend that because they're, you know, and just to, just to finish the point is that, close your eyes and count the fuck. The whole backbeat is a distorted, heavy metal guitar. Right. That's how you transcend. True. It's incredible. True. So, but I agree. I agree 110% with you. I really do. You know, and I kind of look at, you know, you got the Run the Jewels and another cat who I think, you know, needs the light put on him because he's an animal all in himself is Big Crit. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. He is just, you know, you got these cats and it's fucked up because the underground is a tricky thing. Agreed. Because, all right, so the newer generation... You know, it's all about the Apple Music, the titles, the Spotify's, the, you know, everything you can stream and everything that's commercial, you know. And then you have these dudes like the Run the Jewels, like the Big Crits, you know, like a David Banner per se, you know. Um, and it's just fucked up that they don't get their just due. But this is what's been happening in music for how long? You know, you've always had those cats who, you know, didn't quite shine per se, and I'm using the air quotes here, as bright as the commercial cats. So therefore, they get swept under the rug. I agree with you. And to 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 give an excellent all-time example of that, mm-hmm. you have guys 
like Chuck Berry. Right. Chuck Berry, who is really more or less the godfather of rock and roll. Yes, sir. I, we can. Uh, I think many we, would argue that. Right. He's only got one number one hit. <laughs> That's true. That's that is the truth. He's got plenty of top tens, mm-hmm. plenty of top twenty fives, and even top fifties. He's only got one number one. Crazy. And and even that, it's not even his best. Mm-hmm. That's to me. That's. That's incredible. That's right. incredible. And, you know, to your point about the underground is that you have this, you can't be too commercial, otherwise you're, you're not underground. Mm-hmm. But you can't be underground if you, have a, if you have something that does go commercial. Right. So you have this weird flip-flop, you know, and it's funny, it's like, it's like the Metal Cats of, of years ago, you know, Metallica. For instance, Metallica right. was the biggest metal band nobody nobody could hear on the radio or right. on MTV, and then they make a video, and everybody's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're like, you sold out, mm-hmm. and this is this is before the actual like sellout, right? So, you know, this, we're we're talking '88, so we're only talking like 30 years ago. So it's mm-hmm. it's amazing how things change, how <laughs> things change, and go right back, yep. right back around again. It's I mean, everything is a cycle, you know, just like. We we had little shitty music back then. Even when we were coming up as kids, you know, you know, to recite the or to note the, the you know the one hitter quitters or the one hit wonders such as a Millie Vanilli, <laughs> who <laughs> weren't know? even singing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know, but um, we're gonna move on to topic number two. Um, and ironically enough, I'm sitting here, in in this Captain America shirt. <laughs> You know, (laughs) so I wanted to ask you.